WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa. Any opinions expressed in this program are those of the host and do not represent the thoughts or opinions of 90.7 WVUA or the University of Alabama. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of Pulse of the Nation. And today, we are talking Alabama. We are talking the new congressional maps that have been imposed by the federal courts that were drawn up by the special master. You will see that map posted on our Instagram promotion of this episode so y'all have an idea of what the new maps are going to be. The comparison by Daily Cost Elections is up. And let me just go ahead, let's just jump right into it. So let's just jump right into the current composition, the partisan composition, racial composition, and then the future expected ones. So you have six white Republicans and one black Democrat. The one Democrat, Terry Sewell, represents the majority black 7th district, which right now in the old map covers parts of Jefferson County, black Birmingham, areas like that, you know, Bessemer, Fairfield, Huey Town, areas like that. Then it goes into Tuscaloosa and it contains all of Pickens, a lot of rural West Alabama and into Lowndes and then gets parts of the city of Montgomery as well. The first district is Mobile, Baldwin, Washington, Monroe, and most of Escambia counties. The second district, you know, most of Montgomery, you have Altaga and Elmore to the north, and then southeast Alabama, you know, as well. And that's represented by Barry Moore. The first represented by Jerry Carl. Jerry Carl is actually from my home, my hometown in Grand Bay. So shout out Grand Bay for producing a representative. And now we go into, like, we'll go into the new maps. There are some minor changes to the fourth, the fifth, and the third, but nothing too crazy. You know, here, like the, uh, like for the third district, we'll go over the minor changes. So the third district loses Coosa County, loses what parts of Chilton County it had. It, you know, loses Russell, it loses Macon counties, but it loses like some parts of southwestern Talladega County, but it gets Etowah County, it gets Gadsden. In, in, in the 3rd District, and Mike Rogers will represent that. It's probably, I would say, a win for Gadsden in terms of seniority in the House and influence in the House. Since Rogers is the chair of the House Armed Services Committee, if he was in the minority, he would be the ranking member, and with that comes a lot of influence in the area. Mike Rogers is from Sachs, which is near Anniston in uh, Calhoun County. So just to, just to let y'all know. So talk talk about the fourth district it loses some it loses lawrence county to the fifth it loses blunt county actually gains blunt county to the uh to the uh from the six it gains parts of lauderdale county parts of you know north central lauderdale county as well and it also and Tuscaloosa borders are redrawn to where it gains more of Tuscaloosa County. It essentially draws in like most of like Northport gets Holt gets southwestern Tuscaloosa County, but doesn't get Tuscaloosa. It doesn't get Tuscaloosa south of the Black Warrior River. And uh, as for the fifth congressional district, it you know gains Lawrence County, loses you know parts of 
loses, you know, parts of Lauderdale as well. Now, you know, the fifth district is represented by Dale Strong, a Republican from from uh, they'll say Huntsville, the Huntsville area, in northern Alabama. Now it contains just the far eastern portions of Lauderdale County, it contains a Lawrence County now. And the fourth district is represented by longtime Republican Representative Robert Agarholt as well. So something you know to uh, remind y'all of as well. Now we'll talk about changes to the sixth district. That is represented by Representative Gary Palmer. He's a Republican from Hoover, and in the and he loses parts of Jefferson County. That much is clear. I think he loses you know parts of southeastern Birmingham. He loses you know, some rural western parts of Jefferson County that he had. The parts of Jefferson County that he had are essentially northern, eastern, and southern. You know, suburbs and exurbs of Birmingham, especially like Vestavia Hills, you know, Mountain Brook, you know, Hoover and areas like that. And it goes all into Shelby. And, you know, he had Blount County. He lost it to Adderholt. But he keeps Shelby. He keeps Bibb County. He gets the rest of uh, gets the rest of you know Chilton County. He gains that part of Talladega I was talking about. But he also gets Coosa, Otaga, and Elmore in his district. So you could see a bit of a conflict. You could see a Republican from say Prattville or Millbrook potentially try and come up and shore up the southern part of the district. But Gary Palmer will have just too much. The money. The Part of the district, which is the most population, will be in Shelby and Southern Jefferson, especially. You know, the other parts of Jefferson will go towards the Birmingham area candidate. So it's a bit of an interesting dynamic in the sixth district, but something that's not going to come up probably until much later. Now we go into the big changes. So the first district, you know, the first district, you know, had Mobile, Bowen, everything else that changed. It is now much more focused on southeast Alabama. It can it contains the cities of Enterprise and Dothan. It goes into Andalusia, but it still contains all of Escambia County. Still contains Atmore. Still contains all of Baldwin County, and it still contains a large part of um, large part of Mobile County. You know, southern Mobile County, where I'm from, and also you know areas like you have northern suburbs, exurbs of Mobile areas like Satsuma and Saraland and Mount Vernon are all now in, all still in the 1st District. Meanwhile, the 2nd District, you know, when it used to be Southeast Alabama Montgomery-based district, now is much more regionalized. It is a Montgomery-focused district. That's where the majority of the people are in the district. That's where the, that's where the representative of the district is probably going to be based in. But it goes from the city of Mobile into you know Montgomery, it goes you know up north to Washington County contains you know you know some like suburbs Westmobile and then Sims goes up to Centennial then Washington County contains Southern Clark County then you have all Monroe Conecuh Butler Crenshaw as well and then that Montgomery area and it also contains like you know Tuskegee and Union Springs and Troy are all in this district as well as Phoenix City is in this district as well so it's a wide swath of you know you know, Southern Black Belt, and also the cities of Montgomery and Mobile. And I will end up talking about that primary now before I get into anything else. 
So there's a few names which are have been floated up. One from Mobile Estate Senator Vivian Figures. She's been wanting to get up towards a higher level of elected office for a long time. I think she was a U.S. Senate nominee against Jeff Sessions back in the day, but she ended up losing quite significantly. It is Alabama after all. And that's the only one from Mobile that I can find that may be running. There's also, actually, there's Napoleon Bracey from, Pr from Pritchard, which is a, a black suburb of pretty much a pretty much unanimously black suburb of Mobile. It's nearly 90% black. Napoleon Bracey is from there. He's a state representative. He could also run in that primary as well. But the main figures from are going to be from Montgomery. You have Tamika Sanders-Coleman. She was a gubernatorial candidate in 2022. She ended up losing by about 11 to 12 points to Yolanda Flowers. And she's a state senator. And she has been essentially viewed as, you know, one of the favorites, you know, in this open seat now, which is now rated as safe democratic, you know, owing to its, you know, democratic lean. Now I know. In 2022, nearly voted for Kay Ivey, but also nearly voted for Will Boyd. Black turnout was absolutely horrible in 2022. And with, you know, the creation of this district, with the creation of the infrastructure that has to follow, you're not going to have the same turnout difficulties as you had. Now, I will, now I will say, you know, I will, I will keep what I want to say about media markets and things like that on the back burner for a bit. Another candidate I want to talk about is Stephen Reed. He's the mayor of Montgomery, and he's also the son of Joe Reed, who is essentially the puppet master of the Alabama Democratic Party, so just a name to watch there. He has a bit of national recognition for his response to, well, that in, well, the chair incident, that, that incident in Montgomery. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. If you don't, you don't. Just look up like Montgomery chair and you'll end up finding out what I'm talking about. So he has a bit of national recognition coming in from that. And, you know, yeah, there could be maybe a candidate or so from Phoenix City, but I think Phoenix City in that area will end up backing the candidate from Montgomery or one of the candidates from Montgomery. So I do want to say that the Mobile and Montgomery media markets are going to now, as a result of this redraw, they're now going to get attention that they would not have because now the second district will be viewed by Republicans in midterm environments as potentially competitive. And as it is an open seat, and as Republicans saw Kayavi did win in this district in 2022, they could say, you know, well, we might want to throw down some money here, have an opportunity as a reach seat, for example. And the Democrats will want to ensure that this seat is a safe flip for them. So they're going to spend money in the Montgomery, in the mobile media markets. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that ends up working out, you know, because I imagine people in Mobile and Baldwin County are probably going to get like ads for the Mobile media market for like a Vivian Figures or a Democratic candidate that comes up in the second district. But, you know, obviously living in the first district, for example, speaking of the first district. That will also have somewhat of a brutal primary because two Republican incumbents, Jared Carl and Barry Moore, got double bucked. Jared Carl is from the Mobile area from Grand Bay, and you know Barry Moore is from Enterprise. And 
this is a very interesting dynamic because on the one hand, it's Mobile and Baldwin, which Jerry Carl should clean up with pretty easily. I imagine he'll get a super majority in Mobile County, the parts of Mobile that are in the district. And then there's a Scambia in the middle, and then there's Southeast Alabama, the parts that Barry Moore currently represents in Congress. Now, Scambia County is represented mostly by Jerry Carl, so imagine he'll win that. And it'll be a very, very interesting and potentially heated, you know, regional battle because both Jericho and Barry Moore aren't going to give up their seats that easily. And thus, that will lead to a sort of battle. You know, who will win that battle? I don't know because I'm going to be quite frank here. Like, both Carl and Moore have, you know, pros and cons, especially with the geographic... Uh, with the with a geographic primary that's going to end up happening whoever wins is going to be the candidate that's able to take the most from the other's geographic base and that is all I'll that is all I'll be able to say on that cuz that's all we know on that front and thus you know you know whoever wins that will probably have that seat for as long as they want it's an uber republican seat made even more uber republican than the first or the second are at this point in time and so now I think we can move on to the 7th District. The 7th District, I'll say, it lost the parts of Montgomery it did have to the 2nd. It lost parts of Clark County to the 2nd. It also lost parts of Tuscaloosa County to the 4th. It gained parts of Jefferson County from the 6th. So what will that mean? Well, for one, that means that more of the power in that district is going to be concentrated in Birmingham, lesser it so in Tuscaloosa. And this is going to be a very interesting dynamic because Terry Sewell is from Birmingham. I think she's also from the Hoover area as well. And thus, you have a bit of a conflict here, actually. And you would think, oh, Terry Sewell is going to have that seat for as long as she wants it. And that is most likely going to end up being true. But there is going to be a very interesting primary that comes up as a result of this. And that is going to come from Senate Minority Leader Bobby Singleton. He's a Democrat from Greensboro in Hale County. And from what I've heard from, you know, my sources who have state legislative experience and from Politico and other sources is that essentially what is happening here, the reason why Bobby Singleton wants to do this is because he and, well, other state House and state Senate Democrats believe that Terry Sewell, you know, hasn't really reached out to them, hasn't really reached out to the more rural parts of her district, rural West Alabama. And not just in Tuscaloosa, but like in Perry counties, Marengo and Sumter, and you know Green Pickens, you know, Shockdaw areas of areas like that. They don't think she's been reaching out. They don't think she's had sufficient, you know, constituent services in the area, and that she's been focused more on her base in Birmingham rather than, you know, focusing on Tuscaloosa and rural West Alabama. And so that's the argument Bobby Singleton is going to make, the argument for why he's going to run in that primary. But the problem is that a majority of the people who live in that district live in Birmingham, in the 7th District. And UA is in the 7th District as well. We have a part to play in this as well. So I think it's very pertinent because we're, our representative will not be Robert Adahol. It will be a Democrat, whether it be Terry Sewell, Bobby Singleton, or someone else. So we have skin in the game here. So I do want to inform y'all of that other circumstances. And Singleton hasn't officially announced that he's in, but I'm pretty sure he's filed some sort of exploratory committee in that he's willing to take on the challenge 
you know, and thus it will be a very interesting Birmingham versus everybody else primary. Now, I don't know how Bobby Singleton is going to be able to pull out the victory, especially considering, you know, Terry Sewell has such a stronghold over Birmingham. Plus, she, her church is in Selma as well. That's something that you also have to consider as well. You know, Sewell can, if Sewell's the one making inroads in Singleton's rural base, then Singleton is kind of screwed. To be completely honest, Sewell will clean up that primary easily in that case. But yeah, very interesting dynamics that isn't just, you know, Democrats will gain another seat automatically in redistricting. That's going to essentially try and, you know, try and cancel out one of the seats Republicans will gain from gerrymandering North Carolina. That is expected to occur this month as well. The maps of the GOP is getting as a result of a newfound supermajority due to Trisha Cotham of Southeast Mecklenburg County switching to the GOP over school vouchers and school choice and whatnot. So you have that. Just the partisan, you know, changes and how it changes control of the U.S. House. And that Democrats will be getting a bit of a leg up with this. And there's a lawsuit in South Carolina right now that's being argued before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's heard arguments, making its you know, own questions and deliberations over it. And what that lawsuit is, isn't to get a second black majority district. It's essentially, they're claiming that Jim Clyburn's 6th congressional district is packed. It's racial packing, and that's a form of racial gerrymandering. And what they want to do is they want to get the parts of Charleston that are in the sixth, they want to put it into the first, which is the low country, which is, you know, Charlotte and Beaufort and areas like that. They want to put it, they want to put off Charlotte in the first with Nancy Mace's district. That will ultimately have the effect of Nancy Mace being a lot more vulnerable than she is right now. And that could also be very important because in a marginal district that would potentially vote for Biden in 2024, should the Supreme Court approve of, should the Supreme Court let the lawsuit go forward? Should it, should it uphold the lower court's ruling that that is a racial gerrymander? Now, should it uphold the ruling, that will have the effect of making the first district more competitive. Since Nancy Mace is, according to the split ticket, a pretty chronic underperformer, her war score wins above our replacement score aren't exactly, they're not exactly great for 2020 or for 2022. Now, 2020 was because of Joe Cunningham being a pretty strongish candidate, but 2022 in that environment, I don't know if you can excuse that for Nancy Mace. Because I think it was sort of like a high single digits win or something along those lines. And that's not something... You can have Ertz. It was an underperformance of a few points considering South Carolina's, you know, reddish, you know, reddish lane and the red wave that overtook South Carolina as a result of bad black turnout, which you saw all over the South and, and especially in Florida as well. That's a lot more complicated, but that you saw that in Florida as well. So, you know, you so again, it's just another case of you know, redistricting, like, you know, Republicans are going to draw a gerrymander in North Carolina, but Democrats could draw an even more aggressive gerrymander in New York, you know, and plus they're maybe getting seats in Alabama and, you know, maybe another opportunity in South Carolina, potentially, it's a low probability, but potentially an opportunity in Arkansas, for example, that, you know, we don't know. You know, if that's going to end up panning out, there's a lawsuit about getting Al Lawson's old seat, you know, back redrawn as, 
you know, as Ron DeSantis, there's a North Florida lawsuit coming up as well that could give Democrats another seat. So what this is going to do is every seat the Democrats are able to net win in redistricting is going to make flipping the House a lot easier because a lot of Biden district Republicans, especially in New York and California, that Democrats will love to get out. And like Don Bacon in Nebraska as well. There's another area that they're going to target, Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, Tom Keene of New York as well, another seat they're going to end up targeting. You know, and so I think it is pertinent you know, that we, you know, we talk about these redistricting efforts, not just in the terms of you know, how is this going to affect the makeup of the House, how is this going to affect you know, speakers' races. Because as we see in these speakers' races, with majorities this slim, chaos is more likely to happen and that you have more of an opportunity for you know, governance to be halted with these slight majorities, as we're seeing in this Congress. You know, in that, you know, these House Republican leaders are finding it hard to corral these small majorities altogether when just a few dissenters are essentially able to essentially create sort of not stopgap, but sort of create sort of a really, really, I'm not, I'm not sure how to describe it, really sort of construct a barrier to the House legislation, if you want to call it that. So, so that is most of what I want to talk about. I do want to end with talking about how this is going to be a net good. I try to be objective here, but I want to say two things. One, this is a net positive. Black voters are going to get the representation that they have deserved for God knows for God knows how long. And they're finally going to be able to get that representation, get that opportunity to elect two candidates of their choice as, the, as, as is required under the Voting Rights Act and as they have deserved and as that's been denied to them by the Alabama state legislature and state government, but which is then granted to them by the federal courts. The second part of this is that Mobile and Montgomery and their media markets are going to get a lot more attention from political fundraising, particularly from the DCCC and the RNCC that, you know, they, or the NRCC, apologies, that they have not gotten yet because now you have a second district which is seen by, as a reach seat by Republicans and you have this open seat by Democrats and Democrats want to lock that down, like I've said earlier. So... If you live in Mobile, you live in Montgomery, you have friends there, I mean, I will say apologies for all the political ads you're going to be getting next year, but this is a tension that those areas haven't had in a long time, especially on the federal level. Now, the last time you had attention of this kind was, yeah, you have presidential elections, ads are put in like every, you know, every media market, but the U.S. Senate race in 2020, you have the incumbent Democrat Doug Jones losing by 20 to Tommy Tuberville. Like, that's the last time you would have seen, like, national attention on Alabama. And now, you know, in terms of, you know, electoral politics, now you have this attention. Now you have this attention towards, you know, Mobile, Montgomery, Phoenix City, and Southern Rural Black Belt. And so you have, you know, a few colleges here that I want to essentially shout out that are in this district. South Alabama, Troy, Auburn University at Montgomery is a separate thing. You have Huntington College which is there. Tuskegee, you know, University is also located in the in this district as well. So, you know, those colleges will have, 
you know, a role to play in this election as well, political organizations in the area and the candidates who want to appeal to these sort of voters as well. So that is where I'll end this episode here. We'll be doing, of course, two episodes next week and for the next couple of weeks. So I want to thank y'all for listening to Pulse of the Nation. I'll have updates on the speaker's race. I'll have updates on all the political news stories that crash upon America's shores over the course of the week. And I will see you all next Friday. Any opinions expressed in this program are those of the host and do not represent the thoughts or opinions of 90.7 WVUA or the University of Alabama. WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa.